Lord, we just thank you for the fact that we can gather this morning to worship you and to adore you and to study your word and, and to fellowship with one another, Lord. And God, we pray for, um, I pray for continued healing with Natalie, just with her uh, recovery. Uh, be with her, allow her, her, her body to adjust and be strengthened, Lord, and bring her encouragement as well, God, and, and blessing to her, uh, to she and, 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 uh, and Daniel as well, Lord. And Lord, we pray for our brother Tom, who's been going through a lot as well, Lord, that you, that you would strengthen him. And we dearly miss him, Lord, so we pray that you encourage him as well. And uh, whoever else, if there's uh, unspoken prayers uh, that for some reason were lifted up, Lord, would you minister to that need? And, and uh, pray for um, Sister Heidi, Lord, that you would minister to her and her family. And, and uh, we ask, Lord, that today that you would be glorified and we just rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning, morning. It's a great day. I don't know about you, but I kind of miss the rain. I want to, I want it to rain again and, and, and get cold again. I mean, I'm wearing a sweater, but it's, you know, it's not quite cold enough. I want it colder, you know. I want it, like, anyway, I don't live uh, in a cold area. So uh, if you have your Bibles today, we are uh, continuing with our, our study of the book of James. So, uh, and if you don't have a Bible, we have, I got brand new Bibles I bought for the church uh, back there by, uh, over there by Beth. Just grab one. Uh, I like to use the New American Standard, but you know that's what I'm reading out of. It's not, you know, it's just the one I've been using for years. So, but, um, and uh, so yeah, we're going to be looking at the Book of James, and uh, we are in chapter three, and we're going to look at the first twelve verses. This is kind of weird because we're, we're about halfway through a book and it took us how many weeks to get through halfway through Genesis and <laughs> I still never finished Genesis. We'll come back and finish. We'll pick up at the story of Joseph sometime in the future. But uh, Gen, uh, Gen, James 3. James, of course, is the brother of Jesus, half-brother of Jesus. And uh, he is a, he's actually a, um, a very practical guy, Right? And his letter, how many of you guys are, have, uh, James is your favorite book in the Bible, how many of you guys, yeah, you guys are, are the, the prophets out there, you know, that love to do things and have things done right, and James, he, um, he uses, of course, a lot of his brother's teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, so if you read the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of what James takes uh, his brother, uh, Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount and he applies it, but he's writing to, a ch- uh, to scattered believers, and he is addressing uh, maturity in faith, right? He says in James 1 um, that trials produces endurance, you know, and that that is to have its effect in making us perfect or mature, right? So that's one of the main things of this book is that is maturing in the faith. And he, uh, he switches gears now with chapter 3, and he develops the idea of how we can be mature in our speech talking, Right? And so I'm going to read, and we'll get into it, okay? Lord, I just pray that, as Jeremiah said, as you told Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth, Lord. May these be your words, Lord, not mine. Amen. He says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, 
knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Now that's, I, mean, <laughs> I take that seriously, right? Um, because when you handle the Word of God, uh, you don't take it, you don't, you don't, you're not flippant with it, right? The Word of God is, is, is described as a double-edged sword, right? Well, if you don't know how to use a double-edged sword, you can hurt somebody with it, right? And you can hurt yourself, too. Uh, I, I like to watch um, uh, camping guys who go out by themselves and they kind of, you know, camp by themselves and they have their knives and they kind of survive and, and they're like, hey, you need to have a good sharp edge, but you, got, you better practice because you can hurt yourself if you don't know what you're doing. And the same thing with handling the Word of God. It's, you know, I take this very seriously, you know. This, there's a lot of prayer and there's, you know, there's training, there's all that kind of stuff. And at, even at that, it's, it's imperfect, you know. Uh, what I bring to the Lord is imperfect, but I take it seriously because, because it's, it's, it's his sheep, right? You know, if you love me, feed my sheep, he tells Peter. And it's, okay, Lord, I, I, I love you. I want to feed your sheep, but I hope I feed them well, you know. I don't want to, and, and I take that seriously, you know. So he says, no, don't, don't rush in to become a teacher, it's great to have the gift of teaching, which some of you guys may have, the gift of teaching, but then doing it, right? And when you teach, you have this consideration of these are God's people, and this is God's word. So there's this, there's, there's this, there's this sort of uh, this warning. It's a high calling to be a teacher of the word of God. And it's not just as a pastor teacher, it's also teaching Bible studies, teaching kids, you're still having some influence. Some of us have, have a sort of our call to an office. Uh, Paul talks about, uh, and that's the word uh, didaskaloli, is the gift of teaching, and it's ranked really high by Paul. He says in 1 Corinthians 12 that God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles and healings and everything else. Um, and then he's given the teachers, uh, those of us who are teachers and pastors, pastor, teacher, if he sa- Ephesians 4 says he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastor, teacher. You know, my job is to shepherd and to teach, right? Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a high calling, and that's for equipping you guys for life, right? So he says, so James says, don't let many of you guys become teachers. And I, apparently there was people want to, there's some guys that just want to be heard, right? Uh, they just want to, they just want to have an audience and, they, and they, they just go about it and just, you know, not considering that it's a high calling. He says, um, he says the reason why, because you know, verse one, that we will incur a stricter judgment, we will be scrutinized more, more, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we will be uh, scrutinized. Every word I say <laughs> is going out to you guys into the airwaves, right? And every word that your pastor says is going out. And some guy can come out and they can look up what I say, which I would encourage you. If you're a listener, be a Berean go home, check out the verses, you know, that kind of thing, you know. Um, when you listen to a pastor on TV, on the radio, check him out. Check out, you know, is he teaching the Word of God? Is this true or is he just telling stories and, and making us stuff up, you know? But, but I have a stricter judgment. Those of us who are teachers have a stricter judgment. That that's refers to, of course, that, uh, that I will be 
scrutinized by the audience, but also by the Lord as well in the sense of, hey, I imagine that the Lord will take me and say, hey, let's go over, (laughs) you know, and I try my best, you know, and uh, that's why you can always pray that God gives me his words. That's my, I pray that. Um, Search the scripture, be eager listeners, be, uh, that's why he says, go back, and I'm just, I'm going to stay here for a second. Go back to uh, chapter one and, and, uh, um, verse 18 uh, no wait um, verse 19 rather that's why he says this you know my beloved brethren but everyone must be quick to hear slow to speak okay and right now we're applying that to teaching right? quick to hear slow to speak be careful um, what you say uh, but James go back to James 3 James he says let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Then he says, for we all, verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. Now he's including himself. We're all, we all slip, right? And he's going to do is he's going to start opening up the, <laughs> it's not just teaching, although that's still included. Now he's going to open up to how we use our words, right? We all, we all stumble. Uh, the word there is pateo. It means to lose one's footing to make a mistake or sin. Um, and it doesn't necessarily refer to a huge, a huge it could be just a little slip. It doesn't take a large stumbling to cause a great fall. I remember the kids were asking me about going ice skating on Christmas time. Alyssa was asking, and the last time I went ice skating, I kind of broke my ribs. <laughs> and, I, and I was wearing figure skates rather than, high, I like hockey skates, and I caught an edge. And I still could take, I, I, I had my, my favorite gray wool sweater, and it was, you know how ha- things happen in slow motion? I was skating, and I, I caught the little front thing of the figure skate, you know, the, the front part? And I caught that, that little brake thing, right? Which I'm not used to using. And I am in slow motion going back, you know, and I felt so hard that when I hit the ice, my voice was like that, you know, and... And, and I knew something was wrong because I could feel it. And it was just a little part of the skate, just a little thing that caused me to stumble, and it, was a, it hurt, right? We all stumble in many ways, right? And my ribs were cracked or whatever because for, for weeks, I, every time I breathe, they hurt. Um, doesn't mean to be a big stumble. We all stumble in many ways if... A um, variety of ways. The word uh, there for many is uh, pola, means to a variety, means more than one. We're, um, now James, he says, but if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now James is going to talk about how we use our tongue, and his main thrust is this. You better control your tongue because the tongue is going to get you in trouble. And how many guys know that your tongue will get you in trouble? It's slippery, just like ice, right? And it's easy to, um, to, 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 to slip up, but the effects of it can be huge. What, what, what we say can have dramatically huge effects. So, we, so he says, if anyone doesn't stumble or slip in what he says, he is a perfect man. The word there means mature, 
complete, right? Now, the only person who was really a perfect man was Jesus Christ, right? Now, not, not one word that came out of his lips was wrong, but many words out of my lips and your lips have been imperfect. If anyone does not, uh, does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle his tongue. The word bridle there is, it's a long word in Greek. I'm not going to pronounce it because it's kind of weird sounding. It's, but it means to hold in check, to, to curb, to exercise control, close control over. Um, to, ke- to keep a short leash on it. Um, this times I'm out, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was somewhere and, uh, where was I at? I was somewhere and this person, it was a apartment complex and somebody had this huge German shepherd dog. And this, this guy, this other guy was walking his little, little, this little dog, little chihuahua, kind of a chihuahua guy dog. And this big, huge German shepherd dog went berserk after this little tiny dog. And I am thinking, brother, you better keep a short leash because that dog can eat that dog alive. Whoever does not bridle or keep in check your tongue, your tongue is like that German shepherd dog. Now what he's going to do here is, is the next part is sort of give three illustrations of that because his main thrust is controlling the tongue. Our words have great power. Amen? Of course they do, right? Some of you guys remember words that were spoken to you when you were a kid and has, not, and has somehow affected you, or even when you were in high school, or even when you're... There are those words. They have great power and potential. Words... Okay, we're t- you know, obviously we're reading the Word of God, which has the greatest power. But words, because words sink into the soul, don't they? Right? Well, what we say uh, can have tremendous effect. The Scripture talks about how words can give life, right? Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That little, little bitty thing in between your mouth has the power to give, to give life for death. Obviously, I'm not speaking about physical life. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, the mouth of the righteous, Proverbs, says, uh, Proverbs 10 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Words can persuade that's why some great leaders are great leaders, not because of their actions, but because of their words, because they can be eloquent, they can be persuasive. Think of the greatest speeches, like, wow, this person's just persuading me with their very words. They can, you can convince somebody. You can use your words wisely to instruct and persuade towards righteousness. Words can encourage I don't know about you. You ever get the, the phone call or the text that says, I, we need to talk? <laughs> you ever get that text and somebody says, hey, brother, we need to talk? And what's the first thing going through your mind? Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. 
they're going to scold me. They're going to yell at me, right? <laughs> well, what do we need to talk about? Because <laughs> none of us likes to be corrected or discouraged, right? None of us. If you do, God bless you. <laughs> but most of us, we, we, we need to hear words of, you're doing a good job. I just want to tell you how wonderful I think you are. You know, some people think, well, that's just puffing that person up. No, actually, I'd rather have somebody that has some, en- some encouragement than somebody who walks around with a deflated... What's the word I'm looking for? Somebody's been so beaten down, right? That's not, Jesus Christ spoke words. In fact, they... They said uh, in John 7, the officers that came to arrest him, they said, never has a man spoken this way man, this man speaks. We came here to arrest him and they, we came back empty-handed. Why did you come back? Because this man speaks like no one else, right? When Jesus um, is, uh, is speaking in, in, in Luke chapter 4 and he's speaking at the synagogue, right? It says in Luke 4, 22, all were speaking well of him and were wondering at the gracious words that were falling from his lips. If you want to know how Jesus spoke, he was very gracious. When you speak to people, it's, it's speaking... Encouragement, speaking the potential of what God can do through them. Amen? We have a huge, I, I'm going to talk, I'm going to just speak of this to you guys right now. I, I, I think God, every single one of us, God wants to use in life, in this church. And I'm telling you, it has not even entered in mind what God wants to do through you. Your past doesn't matter. Your hang-ups don't matter. Because God is not trusting in your hang-ups to do great things. He takes care of what you need, Right? The difference is not you, it's, it's him. We're, we're just empty baskets that he can fill himself in, right? We're just empty, we're cracked vessels. We're a bunch of crackpots, aren't we? We're leaky vessels, right? Just think of the, the potential of God, that, that God would use each person here, each person watching, the huge potential. And Jesus Christ, when he came on the scene, he spoke gracious words. In fact, they're saying, is this not Joseph's son? We don't see the connection between, jo- how did Joseph produce that boy? He didn't. It was God, right? It was Jesus. It was Jesus, well, God in the, in the flesh, right? How can God use somebody like one of us, right? The difference is in us. It's Christ. Amen? Jesus Christ used words to change people's lives. Right? He used words to change the world. Of course, he healed people and delivered the sick, everything. But it was words, his word that changed life. Never has a man spoken like this. He was kind. Peter says that he committed no sin, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to he who judges righteously. He spoke 
In John 6, Jesus had spoken very difficult words. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no part with me, right? John chapter 6, speaking of you know, his, his body, uh, his flesh, his blood. And of course, people left him. They left him because he spoke very difficult words. And he turns to the disciples and says, do you guys want to leave too? Like every, he, had, he just lost a mega church, right? That's why sometimes it's, as a pastor, I watch what I say, but I better say what's true, not what's popular, right? Too many people speak what's popular that's not true. I'm not called here to be popular. I'm not an entertainer. You guys know that. <laughs> I, I, I can't sing, I can't dance, dance and I can't. <laughs> I'm here to speak truth, right? And Jesus spoke truth that lost the crowds. Now those church growth people would say, now Jesus, next time you were tone that down, tone the message, soften the blow a little bit. No. He lost, his, he lost everyone. And he turns to his disciples and says, you guys want to go too? Right? Jesus, you know, Peter says, John 6, 68, Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It was his words, right? That's the power of the word, right? The power of the tongue to give life, to encourage Every time, you, every time somebody says, does something that, that is belittling to you, one belittle equals a hundred encouragement words. Like one belittle can take the person down. Now, I'm, I say this to my shame. I, I'm guilty of, of being, you use my words harshly, Right? And it's my prayer, Lord, help me to learn. Help me to learn what James is teaching, how to control my tongue, because it's like that German shepherd that wants to get out and attack somebody, right? Little, you know, and it's like that sword that wants to cut, you know? So James is saying, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. If you control the tongue, you control the rest of you. Now in verse 4, he's going to start with some, some illustrations. Um, he says, look at the, verse 3, uh, he's, look three, uh, verse 3 rather. Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. If you have a horse, you guys like horseback riding? Yeah, right? uh, some of you, you know, listen, our kids are used to being used to horseback riding all the time. And, they, and these are huge creatures, right? And when the kids had horseback ride, ride lessons, our, our kids, how old were the, were the how, many, how old were you guys? I forget, whatever, eight? I remember the first time, I remember the, the first time, and I'm gonna go a little long today, because I'm not near done, so, you know, we're not going to be quite Pentecostal three hours, but, (laughs) but the first time the kids had horseback riding lessons, these are, they, from the first day, eight-year-old, seven and eight, or eight and nine, whatever, they were somewhere around that age, 
they taught them how to get the horse out, how to clean their, their you know, how to, how to do all this stuff. Drape, you know, put the, what's the, the riding, saddle. the saddle on, clean their feet. So remember, so I remember Alyssa was, Alyssa and Joshua were there, and they're, you know, you're supposed to lean against the horse for them to pick up their, what's this called, their foot and <laughs> their hoof, you know. Well, and then, and then you're supposed to clean their horseshoe thing, horseshoe. I know, I'm, I'm butchering the, and, and here is my, my little kids, my kids. They're like, they're this big, this horse is as tall as I am. And they're just doing their thing, no fear whatsoever, but this horse, if they wanted to, that horse could have destroyed my kids, but didn't. They were, they were, they were under control. Now they have been broken, they have been trained. If you're riding, though, of course, you have to have your reins. And, of course, your horse will listen to the direction you point it, right? And how it works is because it's this little thing in the mouth, this bit, piece of metal, piece of of leather, whatever it is. And by pulling the reins, you can control that huge beast. Even a little kid can just, oh, let's go right, let's go left, whoa, you know? And James is saying, hey, if we control horses by these little bits, if you control the mouth of the horse, you control where the horse goes, right? If you control the mouth of the horse, <laughs> you control where the horse goes. The direction of your life, James is going to argue, is controlled by what you say or don't say, how you say it, how you communicate with your words. Right? That little thing. I read the story of uh, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci, right, who was... He was, uh, he had, a, he had, you know, he studied the anatomy of the human body and he observed that, 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 that the tongue has so many muscles in it and it's so difficult to, to control because it's, you know, it's all, it, it's slippery and it's strong and it does what it wants to do and you have to pull the reins in, right? And that little, you can get in trouble with your mouth. The whole course of your life can be directed by what you say. In fact, you can have an effect on somebody else's life by what you say. Um, your words can be used to encourage to, to, or discourage, to, to increase faith or discourage faith. I, I love what Isaiah talk, uh, says in Isaiah 50. He's actually speaking of uh, prophetically of Jesus, and it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen to something. I know how to sustain the weary one with, this, with the word, power in the word. That little tongue. 
can be used for tremendous things. Then he goes on to use another illustration, very similar. He says, um, verse 4, Now look at the ships also, that though they are so great and are driven by strong winds. How many of you guys have been cruises on a cruise before? I get this floating city, right? Nowadays, it's just getting kind of obnoxious now, you know. <laughs> now, they have roller coasters on them, you know. And they, I mean, what's next? I mean, it's just, you know, it's fun. You know, I love, you know, when you... That huge ship is controlled by a small rudder. In comparison to the ship, it's very small, right? And of course, um, even back then, we know that uh, one of the ships that Paul was on in the book of Acts had like 200 some odd people on it. So it was a decent sized ship. There wasn't like as big as a cruise ship, but the idea, the illustration, of course, fits. That though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, it takes strong winds just to drive. These ships back then didn't have motors. They needed the wind, right, to, to really power that ship. But all you need is just a little, just a rudder to direct it. Uh, I like to watch uh, um, uh, on YouTube, there's a channel on, um, how, uh, on these pilots who are, in, who are like major airlines. They have filmed these pilots fly, flying the the plane. And, and of course, they program everything in it, you know, when they talk to you beforehand, they say, hey, hey, we're going to fly uh, from Ireland to Dubai or something, you know, and we're on this kind of plane, and we program all, they program all it, because it's really technical. But one of the, I think it must be a, like an Airbus, it's like, it's not the thing, like, that you see in airplanes, it's like a little joystick thing, and they're just kind of just doing this. Of course, the, the computer's doing a lot too, but it's like this little flap control thing, controlling this mega monster of an airplane with four jumbo jets, and they're just doing this, you know? Throttle four, and just going, oh, oh, lift up, oh, now it's time to... It just looks so easy, you know? You almost just take it for granted, you know? If somebody goes up into the cockpit and just wants to go like this, it's going to call... Just a little nod, just, just, just little nudges, left, right, up and down, right? You're flying the plane. I mean, it's more complicated than that. Let's... But it's this little control thing, the same thing. Our tongue gives the course of our life. And though they are driven by strong winds, they are directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. You can control what you say. And the challenge is how, right? The challenge is Lord, help me to control it. But here's the idea is you better control what you say. And if you do control what you say and how you say it, it can change the course of your life. It can change the course of somebody else's life. It, there are times that you may see something even in passing and it's dropped into somebody's soul to either encourage them for good or discourage them. And years later, they remember that and you're like, I didn't realize I said that. Well, guess what? Here I am, Right? I still remember. Can I just share another story? I'm not a storyteller, but here they're coming to my mind. So I was in, and if we're going long, so what, right? I have, you know, we have lunch, we have lunch plans. So, and I have to do a part two. I'll do a part two, okay? We'll do a part two. How's that sound? So I remember in fifth grade, sixth grade-ish, seventh grade, you know, back in the <clears throat> early 80s or whatever it was, you know, we had to go as a group to some place to, as a class to 
one of those um, encouragement places or something for school kids, you know. And, and we had a, you guys have done this before probably, you know. You get around the circle, you know, and then you leave, there's a piece of paper, and of course, and you go around and you write something encouraging on that piece of paper. You don't, read, you just, you don't write down who, it, who your name is, or, you know, you're visiting some stranger, it's like, and let's say it's Michelle's, and, and, and Michelle's doing it to the next guy, and, and secretly I come in and say, you know, you have, a, you have a great smile, or something like that, or some, or some oh, I, I, I like your shirt, or, you know, that kind of stuff, right? You know, I still remember things they put down. No, it's private. <laughs> it was about my smile, about my shirt, and and I'm a nice guy, or something like that. You know, I don't want to give all. The, but the point, this is you're talking about sixth grade, seventh grade, and of course this was forced. You know, because six, sixth or seventh graders don't naturally do that, right? They had to think of something good to say about somebody. Those words stuck, right? Do you know what's oftentimes, oftentimes what's going inside our head? is we regurgitate, regurgitate words that, that people have spoken to us or we think about ourselves. And why I am, we are so adamant to be in the Word of God all the time. We are a Bible-teaching church, which means we go through the Scripture and I teach deeply, because more than that, you will be changed by the renewing of your mind, right? If the Word of God is the Word of truth, right? He's full of grace and truth, right? Jesus Christ is... He speaks graciously. If I can replace all that junk that was spoken, let's say, or all this, and replace it with, with things that are true, then I can change my thinking. That's why, that's why I keep telling you guys and telling you guys, like, be in the Word. Renew your mind. Refresh what you're thinking. Input some good stuff in here, right? Because it will have an effect. And my prayer is that some of those words actually sink into your soul. I think I told you this before. I remember the time I was reading 1 John chapter 4. I know exactly where I was. I told you this before. I'm going to tell you again. So what if I say, if I repeat the same stories, I'm going to, they say that the Apostle John did that when he was older. He kept on saying, little children, love one another. That's what the story was because he was, he was the last living disciple. And that's all he said, love one another, love one another. And I'm reading 1 John chapter 4. And I knew that God loved me. I knew, knew up here that God loved me, but I didn't feel it. I felt all the, all the stuff. You know, yeah, I, I, I had sinned. I did terrible things. I, all that stuff. It was going around, right? But I knew when it said, when I read, I was, in my, I was dating Sharon. I was in my apartment. I could tell you exactly where I was. I was on my bed. I, had, I know what Bible I was. When I read these words, Sandy, and we have come to know and have believed the love that God has for us. It was like a switch went off. It was like, it was prevented before. I just knew it up here. And then somehow, and have believed. It was like it just sunk in. I remember when people say there, you, there, was, there, there was words that sink into your soul. They had to... And the response was this, the response, when I come to know and have believed. Now, it may not be big news to you guys or anybody else, but it hit me so hard. You know what my reaction was? Literally in my room, I started praising, thank you, Jesus. And I started talking to God like he was right here, face to face. You mean you love me? 
I mean, the cross, of course, I love you. But no, it was me. It was almost like, you love me personally? Right? I know you love everybody else, but you know, because you know, you're supposed to, because you're God. But no, no, particularly me, I have come to know and have believed that's sunk in my soul. And I'm telling you, it was, it was like, it was like, it was like this wilted flower that, that received some water and it started blossoming. That's the power of, that's God's word. Now, if I speak, you and I speak words of encouragement and, and life. Let us be those kind, let us be what Paul says. Go, go to Ephesians, Ephesians 5, then we'll, we'll finish and I'll, I'll finish it next week. How's that sound? This is my prayer. <clears throat> Ephesians 5. Uh, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Now here's what's going to happen when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When something happens inside, something else happens outside, right? When you're filled with the Spirit and you yield to the Holy Spirit and, and all that stuff that was there is kind of put aside and the Holy Spirit takes up residence and you, you, you're like, Lord, fill me, use me, fill me. And you speak to one another. There's, there comes out. Be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another. Speaking to one another. Now it's either how you're filled or the result of your, of your filling. That's, the Greek is, is either way. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, and always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You see the difference that is? Let it be that what's inside our heart comes out, and let it be that it's the Holy Spirit and His work and His presence and His Word. Amen? James, go back to James. James says, he says that we can direct our lives, the course of our life, by controlling the tongue. Let me make an observation. An out-of-control tongue reveals an out-of-controlled life. An out-of-controlled tongue reveals an out-of-controlled life. The ships driven by a small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. Verse 5, so also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. You can use your mouth for good. In fact, that's what we're called to do, right? We can, we can speak all kinds of encouragement and thanksgiving and everything else. And I'll, I'll go over that next week. But James is going to say, He's going to give us warning. What happens, though, if we don't control the mouth? And he's going to say, you know something? It's going to be like a spark in a really, really dry forest. 
and can set off and can just ruin the thing. Do you just kind of do you have reins on your mouth? Not everyone needs to hear what you're thinking. <laughs> In fact, most of the time. <laughs> I mean that's 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 if 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 I'm if I'm hearing what James is saying that the course of our life is directed by our tongue. There's so much power in here. He's going to talk about it later on. It's like having a wild animal. You better keep that thing caged. It's like having a like a, a serpent for a, for a pet. Yeah, anytime that thing will go wild on you. So you. Right? That's what the potential is. And that's where he's going to go with, with the warnings. We'll, we'll close it with this. Let me just say this one thing, though. God wants to speak kind words, truth words, right? Truth and grace go hand in hand. He wants to fill your heart with the Spirit, but he wants to use you to edify people to encourage one another. One little, one little word of, of encouragement can change the course of somebody's life. Be careful how you speak. And it's not just what you say, it's also how you say it. That's me. <laughs> um, let's stop here. I have a whole lot more to share, but we're going to share it next week because I think um, this is important stuff. Let's just pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have the words of life. Lord Jesus, that no other person on planet Earth, no other person in existence spoke like you. Your words were life. They were grace. They were truth. Because you are that way, God. God, help us, Lord, to receive those words as we read your word. We ask, I ask, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, change your heart in such a way that we would speak to one another in, in psalms and in spiritual songs and, and, and being thankful. Lord, I pray that, that we would build one another up, Lord. I pray that we would be a church that is encouraging. That we would see what God can do through a person. Uh, Each person here, each person watching, the potential that God has in your life is huge. And let it be that we speak as Christ spoke. That His Word fills our hearts so that His Word comes out of our mouth. And so, Lord, we yield to you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you would give us great wisdom in controlling our tongue. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand up? I just love James' practicality. Amen? He's so, it's so good. Now, do you ever notice this? We, we do our ironic blessing at the end. And uh, blessing.
our words, right? Bless somebody. When we speak the words of the ironic blessing in Numbers, we are pronouncing a blessing. That's words that has an effect on people's lives. Seek to bless, right? When you're, somebody does something against you, don't curse, bless instead, right? Let's say it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace in Jesus' name. That is my prayer for everyone here. And may God fill you with His Holy Spirit and encourage you with His Word. Amen. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Take care.